This is the time of year when um, this guy gets paler and paler. The days are getting longer, I guess, but man, oh man, and the, the skin is getting paler. I glisten like a diamond in the, in the, in the sun, just like Edward. Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. So recently I did this interview, a webinar kind of a thing, with a group called uh, TheVeiledRemoved.com. So basically they have, they have a video called The Veiled Removed. It's on YouTube and also at TheVeiledRemoved.com. And it's all about what actually happens at the Mass. Like we go to Mass and it's kind of like, okay, we're going through the motions. Here we are. It's quiet or it's loud or whatever the thing is. But this video is kind of like, no, here is what's being with the action of the Mass, that the Father is being worshipped as we offer up the sacrifice of the Son to the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. The angels and saints are gathered around. It's, it's a pretty cool video. And so I got to do a webinar with them. And, and so they were talking about the importance of the Mass, what happens in the Mass. And one of the questions was, Father, what would you say to people who uh, say, you know what, um, I don't have to go to Mass every Sunday because, uh, you know, God's happy when I show up and he doesn't really mind when I don't show up because that's, he, he loves me, so he, he's happy when I show up and he doesn't really mind when I don't show up. This is going to be, we're going to make more than one video on the importance of the Mass. We already have in the past as well, but I think it's really important to try to answer that question, try to respond to that because I think that a lot of us, maybe we have that attitude. Maybe we have the attitude of God loves me so much, he's just happy to see me and doesn't really mind when I'm not there. My first response, and I'll even apologize, uh, was I was a little bit aggressive, but I, I thought this is, this is the perfect example of making God into an idol. I don't know if you know this, but idolatry is kind of a big no-no in the, in the Bible. And when we think of idolatry, a lot of times what we think of is taking something and making it into God, right? So here's my sport, make that into my idol, my God. I take this relationship and make that into my idol or my God. But it's also possible to turn God into an idol when I just choose, when I choose my version of God. So in the book of Exodus, you know the story where here's the Lord God himself who sets the people of Israel, sets them free from slavery in Egypt leads them through the Red Sea. They get to Mount Sinai. And what happens? Moses goes up the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, right, you have the people. And they go to Aaron, Moses' brother, and they say, make for us a God we can worship. Um, so their impulse is good. They want to worship. What does, Mo what does Aaron do? He fashions the golden calf. We all know this story. Now, what I, for years, didn't, didn't notice is I just thought that they had turned from the Lord God who set them free to, you know, worship the golden calf. Like they turned away from that God who set them free. But actually, if you read the text, it says they gathered around this golden calf and they said, this, O Israel, this is the God who set you free. So again, they didn't turn to a calf and say, this is God. They took the God who set them free and made that God into an idol. And this is what we do a lot of times. We treat God, another way to say it is we treat God like a toy. And that's the, the idea that um, when, I, when I want him, I pull him off the shelf and play with him. And then when I don't really want him anymore, I put him back on the shelf and he's totally cool with that. He's just waiting, just waiting for me to, you know, play with him or like a book. Maybe that's a better analogy because the shelf, I don't know where you keep your toys, but in the toy box, duh. Uh, take a book off the shelf, read it, you're done with it, put it back away. The book doesn't mind, but the book doesn't mind, the toy doesn't mind because it's a book, because it's a toy, because it's not God. But God himself is not a toy. God himself is not an idol, but so often we treat God like an idol by saying, oh, he doesn't mind when. You know, I, I, I think one of the ways, maybe one of the main ways that we make God into an idol is when we say that, well, just God likes whatever I like. He approves of whatever I approve of. He doesn't like what I don't like and he disapproves of what I disapprove of. 
as opposed to the opposite, which is to say, God, what do you love? What do you hate? What do you approve of? What do you disapprove of? And to conform our hearts to his heart. Anything less than that is turning God into an idol. And the same thing is true. And this happens, this is an exercise, an exercise of this, is when we say about the Mass that, ah, oh, God doesn't mind. He's just happy when I show up and he doesn't mind when I'm not there. That's kind of like saying, um, maybe you have a good grandma, a really nice grandma, sweet grandma, and your grandmother is really happy when you drop by. So happy when you drop by. But when you're not there, she's like, that's okay. No problem. I know you have a busy life. I know you have your own life. You know, you know, your life's not about me, your grandmother, and so you don't have to ask permission to not stop by my house. Um, she's happy when you show up and she doesn't mind when you're not there because she knows, she understands. That's, that's a sweet grandma. But is God your grandma? Or is God what he actually has said? He says, I want to be your spouse, right? Jesus is the bridegroom and the church. We, if you're, if you're a Christian, you're a member, you're the bride. So yeah, uh, grandma thinks it's sweet. It's great when you, really nice when you drop by, doesn't really mind you don't show up. Is that true for husbands and wives? Is it true that you know, a spouse is like, oh, I'm so glad you showed up, but I don't care if you're not here? No, because there's a different set of obligations, right? There's a different sense of, well, there's different intimacy as well. There's a different sense of access, different sense of rights you have as a husband and a wife versus you know, a grandchild and their grandma. But there's also different sets of responsibilities. There's certain obligations that, you, that if you're married to someone, you don't just get to excuse yourself. You have to show up. And it's not a matter, yes, you can, you can reduce it to the level of obligation. But really what it's coming from is coming from the fact that out of love, I have covenanted myself to this person. And out of love, they have covenanted themselves to me. So yeah, now we have an obligation because that obligation comes out of a covenant that has its origin in love. And so when people say with the Sunday obligation, like, yeah, that's a way to reduce it, but it's reducing it from the fact that this obligation comes out of this covenant that comes out of love. Does that make sense? And so when I excuse myself, I'm treating God like your grandma, but the reality, of course, is that God is not your grandma. God is your spouse. I mean, God, God is my God, and he gets to tell me. He gets to tell me what he wants. People ask me, they'll say, well, where is it written that you have to go to Sunday Mass? You know, where, where is it written? In, uh, and typically what they mean is, where is it written in the Bible that they have to go to Sunday Mass? Well, all throughout Scripture, there are all the obligations to worship. From way back from the beginning in the Torah, right, the first five books of Moses, all the way through, there's this obligation that those who belong to the Lord, those who are part of, in a covenant with him, have to worship him. That's, that's just given. In the New Covenant, we have, uh, so along that lines is the command, keep holy the Sabbath. It means not a lot of things, but um, one of the things it would mean is obligation to worship. In the New Covenant, we have Jesus who says, take this all of you and eat of it. This is my body. Take all of you and drink of it. This blood of the new, blood of the new and eternal covenant. Do this in, rem, in, in memory of me. So the Christians from the very beginning have understood that when Jesus says, do this in memory of me, what he was commanding them to do was to worship him in this action, worship him and what has come to know, be known as the Mass, as offering up the sacrifice of the Mass. 
from the very beginning. So what you and I might not get, because we're like, well, I don't know, it's just we get this tradition handed down to us for 2,000 years, was that from the beginning, what the early Christians saw that as was the command, this is how you are to worship me. And Christians associated that with Sunday, the day of the Lord's resurrection. And so if you belong to this group called Christianity, if you belong, belong to this God called Jesus, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, then this is how you worship. That's what it means. So that's, you know, it's also in the letter to the Hebrews where the author says, do not neglect to meet together as some do. Um, that meeting together, not, do not neglect to gather in the assembly. That's basically going to church. We have um, the Acts of the Apostles where it talks about how regularly those who are Christians gathered for the breaking of the bread, meaning the Eucharist. Um, in the book of Revelation, John talks about it was the Lord's Day. He had just come from celebrating Mass. From the very beginning, the scriptures has, have implied that this is what Christians do. At some, at some point over the course of time, Christians ask the question, well, what do I need to do? And so the church has had to answer, this is what that means. So where is it written? Um, it's written subtly, you know, in kind of like a, I don't want to say shadow form, it's, but it's written, uh, um, it's implied throughout the Bible, and it's made explicit in the writings of the church. Um, and again, does the church have the authority? To, to do that? Does the church have authority to interpret that? Does the church have authority to teach that? Well, we'd have to ask the question um, whether the church has authority or not. We've made videos on that. For example, um, if the church doesn't have authority to say, this is what the scripture means, right, to interpret the scripture, then maybe the church doesn't have authority to give us the scripture. And that's what the church did, right, from the very beginning. We realized that the Bible is a compilation of 73 books that, that the Catholic Church said, these are the books that are the word of God. And so if the church doesn't have the authority to interpret those books and say, this is what it means, go to Mass on Sunday, then the church definitely doesn't have the authority to give us the book. That's kind of a short and, short and sweet way to maybe explain that. So the big question, is God my idol or do I let God be my God? Because if he's my God, then uh, he gets to tell me. He gets to tell me. And he often speaks to us through scripture. He speaks to us through the church and through scripture and the church. God has said, no, Sunday Mass is not an option. It is an obligation. But that obligation comes out of this relationship called the covenant. And that covenant has its origin in God's love for you and in our love for him. I hope that makes sense. Uh, God's not your grandma. He's your God. And from us here to Ascension Presents, my name is Father Mike. God bless.